The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. within the medical field regarding lupus. But what are the major challenges in 2019 in lupus? Despite the striking improvements in survival among patients with systemic lupus erythematosus in recent decades, from one year survival of less than 50% before the introduction of prednisone to 90% today in most specialized treatment centers. But many challenges remain in this perplexing and multi-system disease. The University of Strasbourg recently held a roundtable to identify the most important challenges faced today by researchers, patients, and clinicians, publishing their consensus findings online in lupus science and medicine. Now, the assessment and remission factor is a challenge. Now, behind the simple concept of disease activity in SLE hides a complex multidimensional reality where the clinical manifestations attributed 
to SLE by the physician, the subjective experiences of the patient and the efficacy of treatments interact all together. The development of disease assessment tools has been a work in progress beginning more than 25 years ago with SLE, Disease Activity Index. That has been followed by multi-refinements such as the British Isles Lupus Assessment Group Score, the Lupus Activity Index, and most recently, the SLE Responder Index. But more objectivity is needed. The authors stated, such as with novel biomarkers, that could help identify patients with unfavorable patterns of disease. Advanced methods also should be utilized, including data-driven approaches. Now, five years ago, an expert panel recommended that treatment for SLE should follow a treat-to-target approach aiming for remission. Similar to what has been widely accepted for other diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis. However, because SLE is a multi-system disorder that typically follows a waxing and waning course, there has not been a widely accepted definition of remission. Now, back in 2017, a framework for defining remission in SLE was published by an international task force which identified three principles. The first of which was that remission should be a durable state, although no minimum duration was specified. Remission also should be defined using a validated measure such as the SLE DAI and a distinction should be made between remission on treatment and remission off treatment. Now as you know I've stated in um, previous episodes that I have not been on any lupus meds um, for over two years now, they took me off a of Plaquenil because it was causing more harm than good. So I have not been on any meds to treat my lupus, and my lupus is slightly 
active at this present time. Now, another group, the Asia Pacific Lupus Collaboration, published a definition of a low disease activity state, which required a S-L-E-D-A-I of four or lower, a physician global assessment of one or less current daily prednisone dose of 7.5 milligrams or less and standard maintenance doses of immunosuppressive and biologic agents. They stated that they believe that one of the main challenges is to validate whether these definitions are indeed predictive of outcomes, including damage, death, reoccurring flares, health-related quality of life measures, and whether they can be used as clinical trials outcomes. Now, improving treatment is another challenge in 2019. One important aspect of treatment improvement in SLE will be further limiting the use of corticosteroids. And prednisone is, no, is undoubtedly a cornerstone of treatment. Long-term use is associated with serious organ damage, even with low doses. Now, we all know that lupus, SLE, can attack any major organ in the body. And, you know, I really don't want to sound morbid, but my sister asked me this question. She asked me, did I believe that the medication that I was taking for the lupus was causing further damage? To my internal organs would it, it have just been better off for me not to take anything at all and I told her at the time that I was in severe and I mean severe pain like we all are and I told her that one or two things, the pain would have took me out or the medication causing the damage to the internal organs was going to take me out. I could not withstand that pain that I was having um, whenever I was going, well, 
when I was having a flare. The, I told her, that type of pain you don't wish on your worst enemy. So I told her that's why I was taking the Plaquenil. And as you know, and as we all know, that there is no cure for lupus, so they allegedly say. And we all have been placed in a position where just for that pain to subside, we had to take something. You know, we had to. But accordingly, um, the French expert group recommended that future clinical trials include um, focusing on corticoid steroid use, particularly tapering adverse events and measurements of damaged occurral. More therapeutic agents also are needed and available agents can be better used in over 60 years only one new treatment Benlesta has been approved for SLE and I'm going to repeat that so if you have people telling you oh it's not that bad 60 years in 60 years only one new treatment has been approved and that's been less than for SLE and recent years have seen multi-disappointments such as orencia. Some of the failures may reflect a lack of efficacy or unacceptable adverse effects, but many experts also believe that faults also may lie in study design, patient eligibility, and endpoints use. We believe that the current challenges are shifting from whether some new drugs will be available to the identification of the best strategy for the selection of the most adequate drug at the patient level to warrant a positive balance between efficacy and side effects. Now, genetics and biomarkers also are challenging when it comes to lupus. Complex genetic factors play a major role in the susceptibility to SLE with more than 100 single nucleotide polymorphisms having been identified in the past 10 years. But these genetic factors as yet have uncertain clinical utility for either diagnosis or treatment. Moreover, behind the importance of SLE clinical manifestations reside a high number of molecule mechanisms 
linked to a complex genetic um, expression. The markers that have long been associated with SLE, such as anti-double-stranded DNA antibodies and complement, are not sufficient for further refining treatment for the disease. Additional factors. Activating factors are currently being researched as representing targeted pathways for new biologics, while non-coding RNAs may prove helpful for detecting flares. comorbidities and pregnancy. Increasing patient survival has heightened the importance of addressing comorbidities such as cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis. For cardiovascular disease, many factors contribute, including the disease itself, treatment, and conventional risk factors. Risk calculators that have been developed for the general population substantially underestimate risk in SLE patients, and new approaches to evaluating risk are needed. 
SLE also is associated with low bone mineral density and fractures. Again, with the multiple contributory factors, including the use of corticoid steroids, vitamin D deficiency, resulting from photoprotective measures used by many patients in early menopause among young women who are treated. They further stated that they believe that a thorough assessment of bone status is essential at the time of SLE diagnosis. And if low bone mineral density is detected, an examination for asymptomatic fractures is warranted to help determine whether anti-osteoporosis medications are needed. The outlook for SLE patients who wish to become pregnant has greatly improved with experience at major centers showing that good outcomes are most likely when disease has been enacted for at least six months and the damage scores are low. In the largest study Undertaken of pregnancy in women with SLE, the rate of uncomplicated pregnancy was 81%. According to the study's lead author, Jill Bunyan, MD, Director of Division of Rheumatology and the Lupus Center at NYU Lagoon. Medical Center in New York Center City. I'm sorry. The study solidifies that for many women who are in remission or have minimal disease activity, pregnancy is not going to make their disease worse and they can have healthy babies. Nonetheless, the management of SLE during pregnancy is challenging because pregnancy complications can mimic SLE flares. Antiphospholipid antibodies can lead to both maternal and fetal adverse events. Now, holistic approach. Now, finally, the authors advocated for concurrent addressing of the various aspects of disease and treatment, including adherence and patient-reported outcomes such as quality of life on a holistic approach. Fatigue is another important aspect of the disease that is particularly troubling to patients. We believe that we should conduct more and better design trials to evaluate 
non-pharmacological interventions such as physical activity, psychosocial support, as well as pharmacological interventions for the reduction of fatigue in SLE, targeting disease activity, and other dimensions such as depression and anxiety, they concluded. Now, cardiac dangers arise early for minorities with SLE. Minority patients with systemic lupus erythematosus had high rates of coronary artery calcification, even at very young ages, researchers found. Among a cohort of patients that was 40% African-American and 33% Hispanic, 42.1% had detectable coronary artery calcification with scores above zero. Now, among those who were ages 18 to 32, coronary artery calcium scores above zero already were detected in 29%. The researchers reported online in lupus science and medicine. Cardiovascular disease is a major cause of death among patients with SLE and conventional risk assessment tools are unreliable for these patients. So better methods of estimating cardiovascular risk are needed. Coronary artery calcification scores estimate the degree of calcified plaque and scores above zero have been shown to independently predict mortality in the overall population. Previous studies also have found high risk of calcification among patients with SLE, but the patients in those studies were predominantly white. Now, to examine rates among minority patients, the group enrolled 76 patients from the Columbia University lupus cohort who had no history of coronary artery disease and had chest CT performed and calcification scores calculated. Population controls consisted of participants ages 33 to 45 in the coronary artery risk development in young adult cohorts. Coronary artery calcification scores were analyzed, variable of any detectable calcification that is scores above zero 
and as categorical variables with scores of 0, 1 to 99, 100 to 399, and 400 or higher. Co-varieties included hypertension, diabetes, SLE severity, and damage and laboratory variables such as lipids and autoantibodies. Patients mean age was 40 years. 90% were women and disease activity was moderate. All had anti-nuclear antibodies presence and two-thirds had high levels of double-stranded anti-DNA antibodies. Hypertension was diagnosed in 43% and diabetes in 10% and 15% reported a history of smoking. Now, with all the side effects to the medications that some of us take, why did they not mention the medication side effects? I know several people who have taken these medications and never had diabetes before in their life, but now they are diabetic. Now they are hyper, have hypertension. So I wonder why in this study that with all the side effects of medicines that that was not taken into consideration. Now patients who had any detectable calcification tended to be older, 45 versus 37 years, and more often were hypertensive, 56 percent versus 35 percent. Prevalence increased with older age reaching 42.1 percent in those ages 33 to 44 and 61.6 percent in those 45 to 64. Scores in the 1 to 99 range were observed in 30%, and in the 100 to 399 range in 8%, and above 400 was 4%. The 50 SLE patients who were ages 45 or younger were then compared with 3,042 cardiac controls who also were no older than 45. The SLE patients were predominantly female, 92% versus 54%, and were less often identified as white, 6% versus 55%. SLE patients also more often had hypertension, 44% versus 
and used aspirin. 32% excuse me versus 7%. Importantly, the high prevalence of coronary artery calcium scores above zero in patients with SLE younger than 45 is similar to the 43% that has been reported for patients ages 40 and younger with diabetes. Now this information was um, retrieved. All the information that you heard today was retrieved from MedPage Today, 2019, July 2019. But they know that the men, like I stated before, the medications that some of us take causes adverse side effects. You know, like I said, people who have never had diabetes, no family history of diabetes or hypertension, now have hypertension and diabetes. Could it be the cause from the medication? What are your thoughts on this? Tell me. He is the author of Positive Energy 24-7 and his latest book, It Was Destined, Urban Legend. He's Detroit's own author, Henry Long. To purchase an autographed copy of his book and to purchase his e-book, go to WritePath247. That's W-R-I-T-E-P-A-T-H 247.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at WritePath247. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Story Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. So no matter how hard it gets, stick it 
chest out, keep your head up, and handle it. L's up. I'm Susan Hendricks, and I thank you for joining me on my story, Living with Lupus. I'll see you next week. expressed on my story living with lupus podcast represents each person's individual experience by listening to this podcast or reading our blog you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others as always consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved.